0: The Radiant Podcast is a proud member of the Converge Podcast Network, and I want to give a quick shout out to our underwriting ministry partner, First 15. To get deeper into God's Word today, visit first15.org forward slash converge. Now onto today's show. Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation, not to mention we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at The Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome back to The Radiant Podcast, and today we have my friend Jen Petro joining us. She is the founder of Drop Leaf & Co., and I can't wait for you guys to meet Jen hey jen hey kelsey it is so good to have you on we have a mutual biz bestie rachel (laughs) gilliam who's been on here a time or two and i just love making new friends so i'm so glad she connected us and i think we are all in for a treat hearing your story today, myself included. So I would love for you to start by sharing your story, who you are, what you do, and let the Radiant listeners get to
1: know you. Oh, thanks, Kelsey. You're so sweet. Thanks for having me. I love everything you do. I love your podcast. I just admire you so much. So this is a treat for me as well. So yeah, I'm a Midwest girl. So married with three kids, and I'm also a writer and small business owner who really focuses primarily on writing words that create moments of connection. So actually, my company, Dropleaf Communications, was named after a really unique personal moment of connection that I experienced in my own life, and I'm happy to share that. Um, but at Dropleaf, we do a lot of what you'd expect you know, with a typical marketing agency, so creating websites and doing branding and social media and all that good stuff. But what we do most and what I love doing most of all is writing words for businesses and brands that are strategically crafted to create these moments of connection. So that's everything from ghostwriting blogs to web copy, lead magnets, email campaigns, podcast content, pretty much you name it. (laughs) Everything. And we work for everything from starting like little startups, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, all the way up to global companies and kind of everything in between. And, you know, like so many other business owners that I know who are really blessed to do what they love for a living. It's so interesting. I can look back over my life and see this sort of common thread going all the way back to when I was a little girl growing up in Northern Indiana was constantly writing words to create moments of connection with people. So whether those were little stories or cheesy poems or <laughs> notes that I scribbled out on, you know, like Hello Kitty stationery for my friends or whatever it was, I was always writing words of encouragement, like empathy and connection for as long as I can remember anyway. And I think too this love of connective writing. I don't even know if that's a real term, but that's what it makes me think of has only deepened uh, the last few years as my husband and I have just walked through some really hard things. And I think when you go through trauma and you come out on the other side, people talk a lot about you come out stronger, right? But I think too, you also come out with a deeper sense of empathy and connection, which I think has really funneled into my work the last couple of years.
0: Wow. Well, I, I mean, I am so excited to hear even more because I connectedness is one of my favorite words. And to be able to do that through writing is such a gift. And I know that you've had to really learn that the hard way. So I would love for you to tell us about how you started your business, what brought it to life, what inspired you and kind of the story behind that both in your business, your professional life and your personal life.
1: Yeah, so I had been working in marketing communications ever since I graduated from college. And Um, really loved what I did. I always had great jobs. You know, you meet people who start businesses because they hated their jobs. But I always really loved my jobs. I was a marketing director in-house at different places and worked at an agency and some things like that. Um, But I was always side hustling because I loved what I did so much. um, I was always doing it on the side for family and friends. So I was doing mostly writing, but also some communications consulting um, and things like that. But I wouldn't have even called it a side hustle. It was like a hobby. I mean, I was being paid some, but it didn't feel like I was running a business and truly I didn't have the confidence to say I was running a business. Like I would never have said that out loud. Cause I just didn't believe that I was a writer, you know, not a business student or a business person. I didn't think I had what it took. And then I guess it was in 2013, my husband lost his job completely unexpectedly. And then soon after that, he spiraled into a deep depression, which neither one of us had ever walked through anything like that with anyone. So it took us a long time to even realize what was happening and to be able to call it what it was. And, but this is what truly prompted me to start running hard after my own business. So, you know, I think. It was out of crisis, really, that I started taking it seriously um, and went after clients and actually decided, like, I I have to go all in and make this a thing. So, I mean, I should back up, too, and say, by that time, I had left full-time employment and was just side hustling. Um, So I was just, yeah, I was just working part-time. I was maybe working 7 to 10 hours a week. So I did not have a steady paycheck anymore. My husband was full-time employed, had graduated from law school. So I was just working part-time. Um, and really, just doing it for fun more than anything. And but all of a sudden, it was like, uh oh, like vital. I might, I might have to do this. <laughs> so yeah, I, I really felt like that was a catalyst. Um, and a couple of years after that, I mean, it wasn't that long, maybe a year and a half after he was laid off, he uh, was diagnosed with metastatic melanoma, which is. A terrible diagnosis. I mean, the prognosis is really, really grim. And so we were really looking at it from a place of, he's probably not going to survive this. I'm going to have to step up. I mean, it was just, it was so surreal that I, there's so much I don't even remember about that time. Honestly, it's kind of creepy. I'll look back and I'm like, I don't know what we did that year for Christmas. I don't know where we were for Thanksgiving. Like, I have no memory of a lot of that time. But, but that being said, I again, it was like, okay, I have to do this. And so I really ramped up what I was doing. The business grew really fast and was not only a huge blessing financially, able to keep us afloat and take care of some medical bills and things like that. But I really, I've looked back and have said now a few, a few years later that I feel like work saved my life because it gave me something that I had to do and that I loved doing, right? So it was just having that passion and purpose to get out of bed every day. Um, And then long story short, right before Paul went through a massive surgery to remove most of the lymph nodes in his body um, and a major, major drug treatment that would have rendered him pretty much in bed every day, we sought like our fourth opinion (laughs) on the cancer. And really, we only did it because friends of ours had nudged us to go to a hospital that they had received really good care from out of state. And we weren't getting a second opinion on the diagnosis. We were super confident because there were three major hospitals that weighed in on his original diagnosis. But we went up there mostly just to get a second opinion on the treatment plan, right? And long story short, they called us a few weeks later and said, we think everybody's wrong. We don't think he's ever had metastatic melanoma. Um, He did have a spot on his arm that they took off and it was stage one, very small, which the prognosis is very, very good for that, um, that kind of a, a melanoma situation. And so we had some more tests to go through and some more waiting to do after that, but at the end of the day, he truly was cancer free that whole time once they took the original spot off. Yeah. So about eight months, six to eight months passed where we thought he was dying and he actually was cancer free. <gasps> oh my
0: gosh. <laughs> that, that is the most insane story I've ever heard. Obviously, you're probably having like conversations about the future, like with your kids, your planning,
1: like what did yeah. that look like? It was nuts. I mean, I honestly, there's like I said, I don't remember that time very well. It was just survival mode, right? Like Paul was still in the depths of depression. I mean, even worse, obviously, than when he was originally um, diagnosed. So he was like non-functioning. It was just survival and trying to give my kids as much normalcy as possible. We had not had those conversations with them yet thank the Lord. Like, I mean, they knew that Paul was sick. They knew that Paul was sick, but we had not gone to that level of conversation yet, but we were certainly headed that way. Um, And yeah, just trying to survive. And then the crazy part of the whole story is once we finally came to grips with the fact that, okay, we don't actually think he's dying, which took a while for us to embrace because honestly, the hospitals down here where we live still said, oh, no, no, that is not true. He's a ticking time bomb if you don't pursue the treatment. So we still didn't have like complete alignment between the different hospitals about it. But once we came to grips with the fact that, okay, we truly believe this is the truth and he's fine. He still had the depression to deal with, which sounds like, well, at least it's just depression, not metastatic melanoma, but in so many ways it was worse. Because with cancer, like, A, you have a plan. Like, I'm not saying cancer is a walk in the park. It's awful. It's awful. And I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But you know what you're supposed to do. You know what appointment you're supposed to show up for. You know what drug you're supposed to take. And there's just more, it's so much more defined. And it's so much easier to talk about. And people really rally around you because they know, you know, they know what to do. Like, they start a GoFundMe page. They bring you meals. We had, like, amazing care when that was going on in our life. But when it's something like depression, it's so much more of like an invisible crisis almost, you know, because it's harder to talk about. It's a lot less public. People don't know how to help you. You know, they don't know how to support you as well, I think. And so it's really been interesting for me to have gone through both of those things and for Paul to have gone through both of those things and look at the difference and the kind of rallying that you need and that you receive during those kinds of things. And it's given us so much empathy, so much empathy for people going through all kinds of stuff, but particularly more silent crises like addiction or depression or mental illness. So, yeah.
0: Wow. So in those years, you built a business and
1: <laughs> Somehow. lived
0: through a truly personal crisis of thinking your husband's dying and then navigating depression in the midst of that and being a mom to three kids. Did you have three kids at that time? Yeah. Oh my did. gosh. So
1: how did you survive? You know, like we look at women are like, how do you do it all? But you had to do it all. So like, how did you do that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of it I think was just getting up every day and doing what I had to do. Like, I think whether you're a mom or a business owner or whatever responsibilities are on your shoulders. For me, like, so strength finders, right? That personality assessment responsibility is my number one. And it's like, I'm so driven to do what needs done that I feel like that's always a big driver um, in my life. But also obviously my faith was a huge part of that journey and the people around me. I I learned the hard way that you have to let people in. And <laughs> I'm an Enneagram four with a strong three. And I feel like the three in me made it really hard sometimes to be vulnerable and to share the needs that we had and what was going on. And so really for a long time, especially before the cancer hit, and it was just the depression, I was showing up every day to work or to church and people that cared about me and putting on a happy face and then crying the whole way home. Do you know what I mean? Like I just wasn't willing to put down that facade of things are great. It's all good. <laughs> and this experience absolutely shattered that part of me, which is beautiful Um, because I've learned the beauty and the value of inviting people into your pain and sharing and just um, allowing people to take care of you. And it was a hard lesson to learn, but I feel like it has grown me and stretched me so much. It's incredible.
0: I I can imagine. So what did your husband's journey look like after that diagnosis? And how did y'all kind of recover? And how did you carry on? I mean, was there ever a time in your business that you were just like, okay, now that this is kind of over, I'm tired, I need a break, but then I have all these clients.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, part of part of how I was able to kind of sustain that is it's not just me. So it's me. And then I work with a collective of creatives. So there are 12 of us who work together regularly and I'm able to call in (laughs) when I need help. And part of that is people who have expertise outside of my own. So developers and designers um, being able to collaborate on projects, but I also work with other writers and project managers. And so there were times where I literally just had to lean into the people I work with and say, I can't go to this meeting. You have to go without me or I can't finish this project, you have to finish it. And that I mean, I work with amazing people who are not only so good at what they do, but they're just so passionate and kind and just amazing people. And so that for me was a huge um, lifesaver, as well as just the women in my life who I finally did let in, right, who were able to pour into me and who I was able to reach out to and just say, I don't want to even get out of bed today. Like this is too hard. I'm done. Yeah. (laughs) You know, Um, and for Paul, a big part of his journey um, was definitely letting people in, but also therapy. I mean, I, we would have never even considered therapy something that we would do. Like, it just wasn't a thing in our life. And now I'm like, everyone I know should be doing therapy. Yeah, right? totally. like It's my favorite thing on the planet. Like, I will never not do it. But we didn't ever seek counseling or therapy for anything in our life before that. And definitely could have, should have, right? Um, And so this crisis was precipitated us seeking out a counselor. And it took a while to find the right one. But once we did, it was so integral in healing from this trauma and we continue to see this person and he also is a practitioner of EMDR. Yes, uh, you're familiar with that, but uh-huh. holy cow, EMDR is amazing for processing trauma and um all kinds of things, but that for my husband in particular absolutely I believe saved his life in so many ways and definitely saved our marriage and i mean there were times where it was so bad that our marriage was in trouble and uh emdr was amazing in counseling as well so i have a counseling
0: junkie and yes. i um uh, you know my husband has done emdr this year and i i'm like me next you know so uh i've i've heard only great things But man, I mean, thank you for your transparency and sharing that because I think we have so many listeners. Obviously, your story is probably the extreme version. Hopefully, we're not getting more people diagnosed with metastatic melanoma. You know, know, I would hope that's a rare situation. That's insane and it not be... You know, true, but all that to say, I think your story is so comforting to someone who feels like they're navigating a personal crisis and trying to juggle all the things um, to kind of stay afloat. I mean, running a business is hard enough, not to mention, you know, probably being the primary parent during that season keeping your household afloat and walking with your husband through the most grueling season of his life which then translate to yours it sounds like community was pretty important in that and obviously you had to like learn to let people in but how did you find this community because i think that's something i love to chat about here on the radiant podcast we all need community, but I was just with a friend this weekend and she's like, I never see friends. Like my life is work. How did you make time for that? How did you cultivate that? Because I would guess that you cultivated that community for years and then they came in strong when you really needed them. But I mean, it probably came with a lot of prep work of cultivating the people that would be there for a
1: long time coming. Yeah, for sure. And I I feel like I had at the time, very few friends who I was was super vulnerable with and and where we had that level you know of of vulnerability and trust and someone you can ugly cry in front of um because I had played it distant for so long I definitely had lots of friends, but I didn't have a ton of them that I felt like I could call in the middle of the night I'm sure I could have but like i I wouldn't have let myself do that right but i I think leaning into our church community was really really huge um and also at the time I applied and i looking back I'm like what even possessed me to think this was a good idea at the time. I applied to be part of Michelle Kashat's mastermind. So I know, you know, Michelle Kashat and she's yes. amazing. And she, she was starting a mastermind for women, um, around the country. And this was in the pit, like this was in the midst of the pit. And I just remember thinking I'm supposed to apply for this, which just felt all wrong at the time. Cause our life was literally falling apart. Um, but that experience of joining her mastermind, joining up with this group of 12 women from across the country. And we spent some time together in person and some time online. But having that kind of accountability and um, very intentional relationship building, I mean, we were all very committed to pouring into each other for, I think the original commitment was a year. I ended up doing it longer. But um, that experience taught me so much about community, the power of community, not just to grow my business, which obviously I wanted to do, but to grow and stretch me as a person and to build relationships that are still huge today. I mean, some of the people in that mastermind are some of my closest people right now. Like, they are my people. Um, So that was actually an amazing thing that happened in the midst of, of all of this. And, you know, the one kind of practice I didn't mention earlier, but that just came to mind is I started in the midst of this taking an annual personal retreat, which, again, Like looking from the outside, you might think like, why in the world in the middle of your crisis, would you think that was a good time? But I just knew in my heart that if I didn't get away alone and spend some time just being quiet and processing and resting and, um, you know, just finding that stillness that I was going to lose my mind. And so I did start doing that in the middle of all of this. And I've done it every year since.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I, I hear that and think, good for you you've got to take care of yourself to run this race and steward what you've what you're stewarding with longevity i mean i think that's the best way you could have shown up for your business your family all the things and so yeah. um I, I i think that's incredible you're listening to the converge podcast network and now a message from a network supporter What if you could change your life and someone else's at the same time? You can. Choose the job that's more than a career. Visit directcareworks.com to put your passions to work. Do you deal with stress and anxiety throughout your day? Do you find yourself on your phone constantly? Maybe that's the first thing you do when you wake up. Well, I've got something for you that's going to be an investment of your time that pays off way better than the scroll. I promise you that. Here's the deal. I'm going to challenge you, and me too, guys, to stop checking social media first thing and instead pop open the Abide app to ease your mind. It's the best way to start the day and something I've personally been implementing in my life. And for a limited time, our listeners will get 25% off a premium subscription when you visit abide.co slash radiant abides meditations start at just two minutes long. They're easy to fit into your schedule and feature topics like overcoming anxiety, managing stress, addiction, recovery, finding forgiveness, and more guys, anxiety has been a long time friend of mine. And this year i am committed to taking tangible steps towards freedom. If you're like me and you want to take tangible steps towards your freedom, get started now with 25% off a premium subscription by downloading the Abide app at abide.co slash radiant. You'll get additional stories and meditations, premium music, soothing sounds, and more. Support this show and get 25% off by going to abide.co slash radiant. That's A-B-I-D-E dot C-O slash radiant to download the abide app and get 25% off your premium subscription. So what would your advice be to someone feeling like they're drowning in a season of running their business? They have a lot of personal things going on. I know the radiant listeners Um, have heard me talk about this year. It's been a hell of a year, you know, like Mm -hmm. probably the, my worst fear in business happened. Um, and I rebuilt kind of like you in a time of crisis. Um, Mm
1: -hmm. I know you
0: built, you had, you know, you were kind of Push to put the pedal to the metal since you were working part time and it was time to grow it to sustain your family and pay the bills. But for me, I had to kind of, you know, I had it was cushy and then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden one algorithm changed and it was no longer cushy. So I had to totally rebuild. But I think, as scary as it is living it, I think it was really good for me to build in a season like that. What did you learn from literally building a business in the middle of a personal crisis?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you know, from an advice perspective, it would really be three things. And the first one would be find your people. If you don't already have them, find them. I mean, you would probably already know who they are or whatever, but to let people in, that is probably the number one thing that I would say. It's it's so important and so critical to any kind of just surviving crisis or recovering and just dealing with it. Um Also, like we said, therapy, I think that's huge. And there is as much as more people talk about it now, there's still a lot of people that you meet who feel weird about that or have that stigma or whatever. But like stigma aside, it's amazing. Go do it. (laughs) Um, And it takes a while sometimes to find the right person for sure. And so I always tell people that like it took us four or five different counselors to find the right fit. And we knew it when we found the right person. And so I think that's important. And then the third one would just be to take good care of yourself, which I know the word self-care is like, ugh, it always makes me roll my eyes because it's so over, overdone. And it means so many things to different people. But I think really just embracing the fact that you have to love yourself well during these periods because you just, you won't make it. Otherwise, you absolutely have to. And that looks different for everyone. You know, for some people that might be, they need to go out with girlfriends a couple of nights a week and just blow off steam or whatever. Other people might need to be alone. I mean, we're all different and we all find rest and rejuvenation and recovery in different ways. But really thinking through what are those ways for you in particular and making them a priority making them non-negotiable not like hey when I finally get some time I'll do this and take care of myself but like no I'm doing this I don't care what else has to wait
0: (laughs) girl I am with you I have really had to learn that and I have lived through probably four years of running a business where um I didn't take care of myself at all. And then I was stretched thin and my worst self around people I loved the most mm-hmm. because I wasn't caring for myself at all. So how could I care for other people? And it just, what it's no way to live. I mean, I kind of left that season and was like, I'd rather go work a day job than live like this, you know, like I will be less stressed and happier leaving work at work, you know? Um, and I, I personally love to work. So I really struggled with turning off and stopping, you know, my husband would say, Kelsey, like you need a different hobby than work. I think even <laughs> the first episode of the Radiant Podcast is with Jordan Dooley. And we're like 25 at the time. I, I was I was like 26 or 27. She's probably 23. And she we both are speaking about this like it's normal. And we're like, yeah, we probably stopped talking at stop working at about 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> and I I actually was listening, re-listening that episode to like retitle it or recreate a graphic to make it, you know, click, you know, something like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, what were we thinking? We were talking about this like it was normal. And I certainly have those nights, but it it was very normal for a very long period of time. So was there ever a moment where you were stretched so thin that you were like, oh my gosh, I I mean, it, it sounds like the obvious answer is yes, given the season you had to navigate. But That you were like, I literally, self-care is not an option anymore. I am the worst version of myself and everything else in life is going to suffer if I don't do this.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I remember one, the story that just popped into my mind, I was driving the kids to a co-op that we were in at the time. And so we were homeschooling at the time and they, I got a text message or an email message or something that, uh, it was Valentine's day was coming up and I mean had like a week's notice, but it was from one of the teachers. And she said, you know, Hey, like, don't forget the kids should bring in Valentine's and maybe little treats or whatever, which, okay, not a big deal. Like run to target, get a box of Valentine's. I remember just sobbing. I was like, in my mind, I was like, I, I can't do that. Like, I, I mean, that just shows you the frame of mind that I was in. Like, I just remember thinking that's too much. That's, I can't do that. Like, I literally like felt like it was going to break me, (laughs) which sounds crazy, but I was, I was that stretched and that absolutely dry, right? Like just dry in every way that, um, I felt like even something small was going to literally shatter me into a million pieces. And so I remember that was a wake up call for sure
0: that I totally, totally, totally totally can relate. It's those moments that feel like the most extreme. And so I 100% get it. So what, you know, you obviously had this insane season. What have, has the last year or what has this most recent season looked like? Um, What came next after kind of realizing, oh, wow, he is cancer free. Now we've got to get out of the trenches of depression and we've got to kind of recreate a normal semblance of life. What did that look like for your business? What has this most recent season looked like?
1: So I, on my last personal retreat, which I took in the fall of last year, um, the word that really came to mind for 2018 was just recovery. Like, I feel like I just slowed down last year and the achiever part of me and, you know, the perfectionist part of me too, it's, That was hard because I I don't like to slow down. I like to constantly be in growth mode and I love what I do. So like you said, like working till 10 o'clock, right? I love what I do. And so I had to really force myself to slow down, um, which wasn't easy, but it was so needed. And, you know, Paul continues to get healing. And I feel like depression is one of those things for many people. I know it's different for everyone, but it's probably a lifelong thing. It's something that he just has had to learn all kinds of ways to cope it, cope with it. And to just recognize like when he starts to feel like he's slipping into a funk, he can now recognize that right away. And he knows like, okay, I feel funky. Like I need to do the things that I know are going to get me right out of this. So for him, it's things like exercise and eating really healthy and playing guitar and the things that fill his soul. Right. So he's learned so many things that have been helpful in his own journey outside of therapy of just like, what are the things I need to do to take care of myself and to be more in tune with how I'm feeling emotionally and then adjusting accordingly. So that's been amazing to watch his journey, um, and watch his growth coming out of this. And I have definitely used the, this analogy before of, I feel like when we were in the pit of all of that, it was like being in a dark pitch black cave, right? Like you're in the heart of the cave. You cannot see a thing. You can't even see your finger in front of your face and you don't know which way is out. And I think the last two years have really been like, okay, We saw we could tell at one point, like which direction the entrance was, because you could see like a little bit of light coming in. So at least you're walking in the right direction, but it's still dark and it's still a little bit scary. Right. And I have said before that I felt like this year, 2019, was the first year where I felt like we are not in a cave anymore. Like we can see where the cave is from here. Like, so it's still there, Um, but we're not in it. And it's just so refreshing to feel like you're not in the dark anymore. And I mean, what a terrifying place to be. And, but both of us will say complete honesty that we wouldn't trade it for the world because we learned so much out of that season of our life. So much good came out of it. So many relationships were built out of it. Our marriage was strengthened. Our faith was strengthened. Like all the things you hear people say, they're true. Like they're really true. So we would not give it up. We we wouldn't go back.
0: Man, I mean, that's a strong statement. But I I agree. You know, I haven't navigated quite what you have navigated. But I, I think these past few years have been pretty challenging for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we just had so many unforeseen circumstances that we would have never predicted mm-hmm. going through. But I would never take them back. And it's been hard. But getting to the other side, seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, it's like, whoa, who we are is so much, we are so much stronger than we ever would have been. Um, I think, you know, someone said to me the other day in like a prolonged season of pain, instead of asking God, like, why are you doing this? Ask like, what are you cultivating in me? Mm -hmm. And for me, that was so impactful because I started asking myself that question and I can see what he's cultivating in me in this season. And so not that we just want to go through painful seasons to learn nice things, but (laughs) I am proud of what has been cultivated in me and I'd rather not rush the process if it means something wonderful is happening inside like my heart and soul and so whew, yeah, it's hard yeah. but it's absolutely if you can ask God like what do you want to restore out of this and what do you want to do with what's been so painful like it's not I you know I'm not one to think God causes pain um but what do you want? I know you can turn anything for your good. So like, what do you want to do with this? Help me, you know? Yeah. And people
1: use it. yeah. Yeah. People so use it. We have seen so many things happen where it's like, oh yeah, that makes complete sense. Like sitting across the table from a complete stranger or someone I meet and within five minutes, I find out that, you know, their husband's in the pit of depression and they've never told anyone and they don't know what to do and they're terrified or, you know, things like that have happened over and over and over again to us where we're like, okay, like, we're supposed to be the ones here talking to you right now. So
0: yes, yes. Oh my gosh, Jen, I could talk to you all day long. So I would love for you to also share about like what you're doing with drop leaf, drop leaf, how that's evolving. You know, I don't know about you, but my business always evolves. And so, um, I love hearing kind of, I love hearing about that evolution because I like to normalize that for our listeners. We have so many people with various dreams and then when their dream goes a total different direction than they planned, they're like, oh, did I waste all that time? And often the answer is no, it was a building block and a stepping stone for what's next, at least in my case it has been. So I would love to hear kind of what you're doing, how your business has taken twists and turns over the years and what's next.
1: Yeah. Well, I named the company. So back to what I said at the very beginning, I named it Dropleaf because I was on college campus at IU, Indiana University, back in the day. And I was walking to class one day and I had the weirdest experience. Like I, you know, you're kind of in the zone, you're walking to class, you're just like chilling out or whatever. And I looked around me and I realized that something was going on because cars were pulling over, people were getting out of their car, like people were stopping everything they were doing and all looking in the same direction. And it was like a moment from Twilight Zone. I'm like, what is happening? Um, And I crested this hill. And when I did, I saw that there was this ginormous tree with just huge golden leaves, like giant, giant tree. And the tree was letting go of, all of its leaves at once. Like literally it went from being like this packed golden leaf tree to being totally bare in a matter of like three to four minutes, I would guess. So it was just this shower of gold leaves, like tons and tons all at once. I mean, literally you had to be there to see it, but I've never seen anything like it. And people just freaked out. Like everybody kind of gathered around this tree and people were taking pictures and gasping and like, oh my gosh, like what is happening? Um, I found out later that uh, certain varieties of ginkgo trees do this sometimes. Like they will just lose their leaves. In fact, another college campus I worked at years later, they had a giant ginkgo and there'd be a party on campus every year the day that the tree lost its leaves all at once. So, but I didn't know that at the time. And it was just this moment of what I would call connection, right? That just united everybody, stopped everybody in their tracks. And it's just a moment that I will never forget. And so that moment has always carried with me. And I've always felt like, I said earlier that my job, like I was put here on this planet to create words and and write copy specifically for businesses and brands that create that kind of connection moment. Um, and so that is something that more and more, I think, especially after having come out of this hard season with Paul, I feel even more passionate about that. Um, You know, it's a crowded space out there. There There's so many messages that we're all bombarded with. And so much of it doesn't come from a place of true like authenticity and, Relationship building and um, connection building, but that's what drives sales and that's what changes the world. Like, right at the end of the day, connection is what changes the world. And so, really, my business has shifted very strategically, especially in the last couple of years, Um, but even in the last couple of months, um, shifted away from. I just I guess I feel like the shiny has worn off, right? Like, I've worked with, um, you know, big companies with names you would recognize. And I used to be so excited, I'd get a new contract or whatever. And I feel like now the shiny has worn off unless I'm doing work for a company who's a big hearted brand. And that could be a small company or big company, I don't care. But companies and entrepreneurs who want to leave the world a better place and they care about the work they're doing and they really care about their clients and customers and they want to build meaningful relationships, not just have transactions. And so for me coming in and being able to write content for them, that is meant to strategically connect with who their ideal customer is right and change them on an emotional level and really um build that connection which is going to benefit them in the long run obviously because it's going to build those client relationships and impact sales conversions and all that good stuff that business owners want but for me it's just so rewarding to be able to come in and um you know, learn about who the ideal client is, really get inside their heads, learn about what keeps them up at night. You know, what is their, what are they passionate about? What are they terrified of? And all those kinds of things and be able to write copy that resonates with them at the heart level instead of the head level. So for me, that is a challenge and a joy and a gift and my favorite thing to do. So that is how it's shifted in the last couple of years. And I would say even this year specifically to doing more and more of that kind of crafting copy.
0: I love that one thing you and I chatted about too before you hopped on was sometimes like you offer a service for a season and then your passions change. Can you tell us like why it's okay to like redirect and evolve and drop a few of your services to focus on something that really you realized out over time of implementing a variety of different things. Wow. This one's my favorite. This is what I love. And even though I've been doing this for a few years, this pulled out of me what I really love and it's moving in a different direction. Can you kind of share like what that looks like? Because I think sometimes we don't give ourselves permission to pivot.
1: Oh, that is so true. And I, so I teach a 12 week business building class for women and literally this week, it just kicked off last week. And this week we're covering that whole topic of how it's okay to change and it's okay to morph. And I think we have that pressure of we have to start it out the gates perfectly, which never happens. And then thinking like it's never going to change or it shouldn't change. Like that would be bad for the brand if I pivot and do anything differently. But over time, your sweet spot changes. So not only does the market change, so client needs and wants, all of that stuff can change. I mean, as you learned, some of that stuff can change overnight, right? Uh, It's crazy. Um, But also you change as a person, as an entrepreneur, a business owner. Your heart changes, your your life changes, your own um, priorities and all kinds of stuff is gonna shift and grow. It just is, that's human nature. And so constantly being... Open minded and open handed with your business um, and your business model, and just thinking through what is the best fit for my life right now? What's the best fit for my ideal clients? You know, the people that I really want to work with. Um, it is okay to change. And I think that the companies that do the best are the nimble ones who do pivot. Like they're willing to listen to themselves, listen to the market, listen to their customers, and always be on the lookout for that. And I mean, anytime you can stay in your sweet spot anytime you can really hone that to where you're operating in your highest point of contribution. Some people will call it that, right? Greg McEwen talks a lot about that in his awesome book, Essentialism, right? So it's like finding that sweet spot, right? Where you're in the zone, where you're getting the most satisfaction and joy out of your work. And um, the more you can do that, the better you're going to serve your clients and the better you're going to feel about everything you're doing. And it's so... Counterintuitive sometimes because that can mean getting really small or getting smaller about the things you offer and the work that you do. But in the long run, the growth potential, I feel like, is so much higher. But it's a scarcity thing you have to overcome. For me, definitely, there's that scarcity mindset of, okay, if I stop doing these kinds of projects or stop serving these kinds of clients, what's going to happen? Like, is my workload going to drop? Is my income going to drop? You know, it feels scary, but. I rarely see when people make that pivot to be more in their sweet spot. I have hardly ever heard, if not ever, have I heard someone say like, oh, terrible decision. Like it's almost always the opposite where they're yep. like, the best thing I ever did. <laughs>
0: totally, I 100% agree with you. And I've actually seen that in my own personal experience this year, you know? And yeah. so I can I can be a Jill of all trades. Um, but this year, I think because... After closing, you know, a big chunk of my business in April, I realized, oh, I'd never want to build something that makes me miserable again. Like I'd rather just go to a day job that's, you know, has a great culture and good environment and steady pay. Like I don't have to build something that makes me miserable. So it forced me to get very strategic about like, what do I actually like? You know, if the end all be all is I'm making a lot of money, but I'm miserable then that's why am I working for myself? Like I could go, you know, be even more happy working for someone else if I'm doing something that's just misery inducing. So, or, or just something that doesn't set my soul on fire. And so I had to really get clear on like, what do I want? And it really forced me to niche down. And there's been a lot of fruit from that. And so I am with you. I could talk to you all day long. I am just so thankful you came here to share your story, um, share your, um, just share vulnerably about, you know, what the past few years have looked like. I think so many of our listeners are going to be able to relate in their own
1: way. Can you tell everyone where they can find you, where they can work with you, all the things? Yeah, absolutely. So Instagram is a great place to find me. I'm at Jen S Petro. So just J E N S as in Sam P E T R O. And my company website is dropleaf.co. Oh.
0: So I think you are going to have some radiant listeners heading on over your way. But in the meantime, we will be keeping up with you on Instagram. I am so glad you joined us today. We'll definitely have to have you back on.
1: Thanks so much, Kelsey. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes
0: right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever you're media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other.
1: This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.
0: Duncan is here to keep you running with a much needed taste of normal. To work, home or work from home with the coffee you like, just the way you like it. Whether that's a small hot black coffee, your daily 2 p.m. latte, or a bacon, egg, and cheese croissant and a medium iced coffee with oat milk, one sugar, two pumps of caramel, one pump hazelnut, a swirl of French vanilla, and a shot of espresso.
1: I call it my p.m. pep rally. You should really try it.
0: Whatever it is that gets you running, Duncan's got you and always will. America runs on Duncan. As a pro, the last thing you need is to run out of what you need. And time spent waiting on supply runs is money right out of your pocket. The good news is The Home Depot can deliver straight to the job site. That keeps your crews on the job, not the road. And that saves you money, putting time back in your day and savings back where they belong. Delivery options, big, small, right to the job site. Whenever you say, visit homedepot.com delivery. The Home Depot,
1: how doers get more done.